we have fallen into a place where we equate debt with morality and that paying off your debt is a, a virtuous thing and that having no debt makes you a better person. And by your debt being wiped away, like you didn't go through the process of morality. You didn't, you didn't become a great person because of the quote unquote, the work and that you took a shortcut and that that superiority that I have on you by being debt free, by going through that process, I, I no longer have that over you. And I think that's a part of it too. Um, whereas you could be in debt for, for no fault of your own, right? It, it, it could be there was a situation in New Jersey where a, a mother took out parent plus, plus loan for her son. The son died and oh she was God. still, yeah, and she was still on the hook for it. And they were, there was an entire legal battle about whether she should even be forced to pay for a, a degree and a loan that she, one, did not have, but for a person that is no longer with us. And does that make her a bad person? Right. Like we, we got into a spot where it's like, well, those who are wealthy, those who are debt free are just good people. And you should be a good person and pay off the debt that, that you took out when you were 17 and didn't really know anything about life. We have to get out of that, that you can you can be debt free and still be a terrible person and vice versa. <laughs> um, and I think we just, you know, we for, I don't know how it started or who started that, but we just get into a, a really strange moral argument where debt-free is, is automatically good, not, not from a financial perspective, but from a morality, personal perspective, and those who have debt are just bad. If you're looking for some guidance on what to do with your student loans and you need an outside perspective on what your options are, Student Loan Planner may be the resource for you. Schedule a paid consultation with one of Student Loan Planner's student loan consultants who will walk you through what your options are. Student Loan Planner has a 99% satisfaction rate and a whole person-focused approach when helping their clients. If you're worried about saving for retirement, going on vacation, and the impact of your student loan repayment on those goals, Student Loan Planner consultants understand and respect those concerns and keep that in mind while working with you. Please note, if you're listening to this episode in 2022, you have until October 31st, 2022 to submit your public service loan forgiveness waiver. I've also included a link in the show notes. I'm proud to partner with Student Loan Planner. And if you're interested in scheduling your student loan paid consultation, go to the following link, michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash student loan plan. Finally, I would like to thank the Plutus Foundation for its support of the Michelle is Money Hungry podcast. The Plutus Foundation supports financial content creators with grants, networking, learning events, and podcasts. Twice a year, Plutus provides grants for financial literacy projects of all types. The foundation highlights excellence throughout the Plutus Awards, and you can see how you can make a bigger impact with your audience at Plutus Voices and the Plutus Impact Summit. Go to PlutusFoundation.org for more information. Please note, Michelle is Money Hungry is for entertainment purposes only. Content should not be considered financial advice, and listeners are encouraged to do their own due diligence. Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry, a podcast that has real and empathetic conversations that often focus on the intersection of policy and the financial conversations we're really afraid to have. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and this summer I'm having conversations all about the potential for student loan forgiveness and what will happen if we move forward with the policy and what happens if we don't.
my name is Kevin Matthews. I'm a best-selling author and former financial advisor. And my book is From Burning the Blueprint, Rebuilding Black Wall Street After a Century of Silence. What is it exactly that you do now in the online content creation space? Yeah, I like to make investing simple. That's basically what I'm here to do. So I, I explain things, I make things easy and help people to take action to further build their wealth. The week that we're recording this episode, uh, cryptos exploded. Um, things are getting crazy. And I think it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation around uh, student loan forgiveness now because there, are, there seems to be so many um, financial headwinds that, that are impacting the American dollar. So what I thought about when having you excuse me, having you come on to the show was just some of the economics behind whether or not a policy like this should move forward. So if you could do me a favor and just share some of the economic arguments for student loan forgiveness, like for or against Mm -hmm. that you may have thought about or have heard or haven't heard, I would love that. Sure. So my, my first degree is in economics and I'm one of the few people that get the the privilege to say like I use my degree on a daily basis, <laughs> and this is this is one <laughs> of the things where I have done a lot of study and research on on both sides of the issue. So let's talk about the the negative case, the economic case against it. What many are saying is that by forgiving student loans, you one create a moral hazard. That's what we call in finance, where you basically to do something and then not really pay the ramifications for it. So I can go, or I could have rather gone took on an expensive degree, didn't pay it, I get it forgiven, and I get to do what I want now. So that's that's one part of it. The other part of the argument is also that it is expensive to do. Like we're we're talking, what, $1.7 trillion that is quite expensive on the books of the American people and the taxpayers. Um, And then also you have the, the case for further inflation. We're seeing inflation, the rising cost of goods and stuff, high as it has been in the last 30 to 40 years. And by forgiving student loans, you are essentially giving people even more money to go out and continue to spend and chase whatever goods and items they want to get. So that's the that's the negative side of things and some of the reasons why people say that, hey, this is not a thing you should do. On the other side, you have you know the part of it that it is or at least at the time it was a campaign promise. That's one part of it. But the economic side of it is a lot of people have had to push back their version of the American dream. Couldn't have kids. You know, couldn't, they felt like they couldn't afford kids, couldn't buy a home, couldn't buy a car, couldn't move out of their parents' house due to the weight of student loans. And some studies have shown that forgiving student loans can be one of the biggest events to help close the racial wealth gap as well. And that is something that we should pay attention to. You mentioned the racial wealth gap, and I I had planned on asking you this. I've asked a couple of other guests, but felt like they weren't the right people to ask this question, to be honest, because I Mm -hmm. know who you work with. And um, in my observations, it really seems like there, there are several generations of Americans who were who were told go and get educated and mm-hmm. then the question and then the question would be well how do we pay and then the, the the answer would be well you can get student loans um and you know if you're undergrad it's capped at a certain level grad school sky's the limit um but this 
this advice has really come at a negative price for women, Black women in particular. And I would love for you to kind of talk about the impact of even a partial student loan forgiveness program. Like what, what are your thoughts about how this could impact Black money? Yeah, I think it's it's extremely important. And what I, I, I don't think enough people talk about or understand is that Black people take on more debt and get less in return. So we're taking, we have, we pay more in terms of loans for college. And then we go out into the workforce, we don't get paid as much. So you're, you're getting hit on both sides and forgiving student loans allows an entire group of, of people to save their money and then start to acquire assets in a way that was not possible and did not seem feasible just what, two years ago now. Um, so for, for giving even a portion of it can help. We have seen in the last two years how many people, especially African-Americans, who have entered into the stock market for the very first time because they weren't paying student loans. My, my wife uh, and I were able to purchase a home because we were saving money that we did not have to pay for student loans, and now we're homeowners. So there, there is a, a huge benefit, even if it is partial. And when it comes to racial wealth gap, the, the communities that need that extra capital the most and that used the system of college to try and better themselves aren't getting the exact same benefit. And I think that's something that we truly have to discuss. And I don't think it's really discussed enough. I wanted to talk to you also because you're right. This was a campaign promise. And right now it seems like the administration keeps floating the $10,000 amount. Um, What are your thoughts about a $10,000 loan forgiveness amount across the board. And would that help people in your view? I do think that it'll help people. I think that, you know, given that the average across the board is right around 30,000, forgiving a third of the debt, I think is significant. I think it is a step in the right direction. Uh, Whether we should forgive it all or 30 or 50, that's up for debate. And obviously, the more that you do, the more expensive it does become. But I think 10000 is that does go a long way for, for some that could, you know, if you were to, to have that in cash and pay it at one time, that could buy you, depending on what your, your amount and your debt is, that could buy you a year, maybe even a year and a half of relief and time to figure out what to do with the rest, the remaining debt and figure out what to do um, with your total financial situation. So I think 10000 is still a significant amount. I did want to clarify on something that we were talking about just a second ago. Mm -hmm. This policy is not just going to help Black women. Um, I don't want someone to listen to this part of the series and be like, wait, it's, it's, you know, only helping Black people. (laughs) Like, like, I I, (laughs) I want to be very clear that that's not the case. Uh, But I, I am specifically interested in this because I know a lot of Black women who've been impacted by student loans, which is why I made that talking point. So mm-hmm. if you were designing this policy, if you were advising the current administration on an effective policy for or against, like what would you, what would you advise them to do? And what would be the timing that you would um, have them look at? The timing... If, if you're me, so we're, we're talking in a perfect society in a perfect situation, <laughs> then I would I would look at look at um, a measure of forgiveness, but also of cost 
cost measures or protection. Because what a lot of people are saying, which is a fair case, is that let's say you wiped off all the debt right now in an instant with a snap of a finger. Kids who are in college right now and kids who want to go to college in the future are still going to have to pay. And you're going to be right back in the situation in another 20 or 30 years. So I would suggest forgive an amount, whatever amount that, that we see fit, um, and then also figure out how to put a cap, uh, whereas a cap or uh, a limit on how high tuition can go. I think that that would be the best uh, that the best two solutions. Um, I would add a third part as well, and also make trade schools affordable and make that an affordable option that may or may not be subsidized by the federal government as well, so that people can also have that choice. Um, so I think it's it's really opening up the options to make uh, college more competitive in terms of a price perspective on the bottom end, so bring down the cost of college, while also giving people some alleviation right now on the front end. Um, I would try to do that really as soon as possible, because I know that the makeup of both the state, um, state level, state, state and local government could be changing, as well as the federal level could be changing come December. Um, so I would do that as soon as possible. Um, and really try to get ahead of this as much as you can and provide a solution that makes sense for people who are dealing with this issue now, but also who may deal with the future, uh, deal with the issue in the future. So one of the things I think about is that for two plus years, like a solid two years, um, folks who have a federal loan have had their loans paused, basically, uh, mm -hmm. for those with private loans, there, there, there have been some variations of it, but um, with federal loans in particular, they, they haven't had to pay. And now we have 30, 30 year high inflation. We've got landlords gone wild on people and raising rents, you know, to, to un, unheard of um, rents. And so I'm curious about the real toll this is taking on people in terms of not having us like an end date to this, like this feels like it's coming to a head. And part of, of what's fr freaking people out is they have all these other, again, I'm going to use the same phrase, but they have all these other financial headwinds coming at them in the event that the administration for whatever reason decides, you know what, we're not going to touch this. Like, yeah, we made this promise and we're going to renege on it even during election year. <laughs> um, what would you say to people who feel like, um, what, what are my other options? Are there other options available to me that I might not know about right now? In terms of dealing with the potential uh, debt? De dealing with this, this loan, dealing with this debt. Yeah. So the, the good thing, and I say this in air quotes, is the way the job market is shaking out, where it is still, at, at least at this point in time, a an environment for those who are looking for jobs. So that means that you can find, you may be able to find higher paying jobs, you may be able to negotiate for benefits to pay off those loans, and really position yourself to aggressively increase your income while we still can. Um, I say that because all economic conditions are not permanent, right? And, and right now, people are hiring aggressively where they weren't doing so in 2020. And employers now are used to shelling out more for salary, more for benefits, and being a lot more flexible in whether or not you commute to the office than otherwise. So if there is, if, if I were to, to 
if this were me, now we're in that situation, then I would look at what ways can I increase my income? Can I negotiate for a higher salary? Can I go to a different company? And then what ways can I offset some of those costs? So if I have to commute to the office, perhaps the next job I'm looking to jump to is remote. So I, I'm not, you know, I may not need the same car. I may not need to pay the same higher prices for gas and offset in those ways so that I am more prepared for the shock or the, the reshock, if you will, um, of paying for higher groceries, higher gas, and then reintroducing the cost of student loans too. I haven't asked this question to anyone, but I feel like you're a great person to ask this, to, uh, ask this question too, because I feel like you'll, you'll thoughtfully answer it. Um, I find that there's a lot of classism and racism that frames how people react to the possibility of this, of this policy being passed. What are your thoughts around that? Um, and then kind of adjacent to that, what do you think about when people say, hey, I paid my loans. Why aren't these other people doing the same? So you can go with this very open-ended set of questions, however you want, but what are your thoughts around the framing of this type of relief program and who it may potentially serve? And just what are your thoughts? Yeah, forgive me, this this may be more of a a rant than an answer. (laughs) I like rants, let's let's go. All right, so so first the, hey, I, I did what I had to do and I paid my loans. My answer to that would be congratulations for you. That's that's awesome. That that is not my situation. That's not the situation for you know however many millions of borrowers that are out there. And we have to really take into context how how many people are dealing with this issue that may have also paid. Um, I've I've seen comments on Twitter, which is a terrible place <laughs> at times, where it's like, hey, you know, I paid off my debt. In you know 1965, I paid my debt off in the 80s or whatever, and it's like, well, your minimum wage job paid for college, and college was much less expensive at that point in time. Now you're asking people to do what you did by getting the exact same amount of money from that minimum wage job as you had, but the cost of college has risen by 300% since then. So like the the economic argument is, if you're not for student loan. Uh, forgiveness, then you must be for higher higher wages across the board so that people can actually pay their loans. But that's not what you're arguing for. You're arguing for people to suffer just because you had to suffer, which really doesn't make any sense. When we talk about you know medical cures and mir- miracles and things like that, or even the internet, I don't say, hey, son, I need you to go back and use, uh, use a dictionary by hand and encyclopedia just because you have Google now. <laughs> Like for what? <laughs> like why would I? Why would I force you to to go through the exact same thing if I know better and have the ability to do so? I'm going to try and make things better for other people. So that's that's one side of the hey, I pay my loans. Like congratulations, trophy for you, and that, that is an accomplishment. But also realize that you have also benefited too, because a lot of people will say, well, I don't benefit from this. This isn't fair. I would argue that because your loans were paid off and you, you strategized, you had enough income, you had all that stuff, you were able to buy a home before these prices took off. You were able to invest your money in whatever year that you paid the, those loans off and you were able to benefit. Whereas those who have not and have been struggling were not able to do so. And they were struggling and paying off the debt. And that's the other part of it. And I will say the last thing is we have this really strange assumption that 
people haven't been paying. And that student loan forgiveness for at whatever amount assumes that I paid zero dollars this entire time, which is not mm-hmm. true. There are people who have paid, who took out 30, paid 50 and still have money left over. And if it were forgiven, it's like, hey, I still paid $50,000. This is not, it is a, a win for me, but the $50,000 that I paid before this pause, that's still lost money. I'm not getting a refund for that. And I think we really need to understand really the nuance of these conversations and talk about the reality. Because the, the last thing I'll mention too, is that we, we, we never really talk about those who pay student loan debt but didn't actually go or finish. That includes those who took out Parent PLUS loans for their kids to try and go, or those who had to drop out and take care of family members who are still on the hook for those loans. Okay. Uh, I, I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. Okay. <laughs> um, I, now I have to think because I, <laughs> oof, you, you brought the heat with that one. Like I, I, one of the things that was that has been very interesting to me is to kind of in, in having these conversations is finding out where a lot some of the problems with the lending is happening or are happening and the, it, it's starting to become like a consistent thing. So um, many of my guests point out that with graduate loans in particular, like graduate school, there's really no cap. And that's where a lot of people are getting, you know, deemed. Um, in my research for this project, I found that a lot of the really predatory um, lending is happening at for-profit schools, which are really heavily partnered with the Department of Education. So if you're advising um, the Department of Education and 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 graduates, like the Department of Education and the administration, excuse me, about how to clean up the mess that they are very invested in. Like this is, who gives a 17 to 25 year old the kind of money that they're giving, right? What would you tell them about, rather, how would you advise them on cleaning up the programs on the lending side so that they can manage what's happening better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I do. And before I answer that question, I one one other thing I wanted to add, because you, you'd asked a two-part question. I feel like I ranted about only one half of it. So okay, for, let's for, do it. Let's do it. We're throwing us off a little bit on schedule. <laughs> but the, you, had, you had talked about like the classism and perhaps even the, the, the hint of racism in a lot of these arguments. I think the reason why that exists or one of the reasons why it exists rather is because we have fallen into a place where we equate debt with morality and that paying off your debt is a, a virtuous thing and that having no debt makes you a better person. And by your debt being wiped away, like you didn't go through the process of morality. You didn't, you didn't become a great person because of the quote unquote, the work and that you took a shortcut and that that superiority that I have on you by being debt free, by going through that process, I, I no longer have that over you. And I think that's a part of it too. Um, whereas you could be in debt for, for no fault of your own, right? It, it, it could be those situation in New Jersey where a, a mother took out parent plus, plus loan for her son, the son died and oh she was God. still, yeah. And she was still on the hook for it. And they, there was an entire legal battle about whether she should even be forced to pay for a, a degree and a loan that she one did not have, but for a person that is no longer with us. And does that make her a bad person? 
right? Like we, we got into a spot where it's like, well, those who are wealthy, those who are debt-free are just good people. And you should be a good person and pay off the debt that, that you took out when you were 17 and didn't really know anything about life. We have to get out of that, that you can, you can be debt-free and still be a terrible person and vice versa. <laughs> um, and I think we just, you know, we, for, I don't know how it started or who started that, but we just get into a, a really strange moral argument where debt-free is, is automatically good, not, not from a financial perspective, but from a morality, personal perspective. And those who have debt are just bad because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense because I made my last payment does not make me more virtuous than the payment before that. I'm glad you actually added that comment because I do think it's, it's this whole virtual virtue si- signaling thing yeah. that happens. And I'm like, look, like, you paid a debt. Like that has nothing to do with how you treat people, how you move mm-hmm. through the world. Like, I'm glad you did it. All of us pay debts. We pay our, like it, it doesn't, the framing of it is weird. Yeah. I saw a tweet from a guy who I, I who seemed serious because by the way, he was arguing against it. He was like, I took out $62,357 and I want to pay back every dime. I don't, if they were to give me forgiveness, I wouldn't take it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> In what world does that make sense? I, like I, I take free coupons for food. Of course, I'm like, exactly. Like I, I was, I, I was intending on paying, but if you're gonna help me out, sure. Like that doesn't, that literally does not make sense. And if you were to sit there and take ten years or twelve years to pay off all sixty five thousand or whatever, and you didn't take the help that was offered to you, I, I mean, that doesn't make you a good or bad person, but it does make you a fool <laughs> because you had the opportunity to have that you know, forgiven to some degree and invest and do whatever else you could have done instead of that. But yeah, like that was, uh, those, those arguments do exist. And again, they don't, they don't really make sense at all. So if you are the department of education and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh man, we let these schools just, you know, we let the market do its thing. And now we've got to bail out all these people. What's the program? Like, what's the process that you would take so that this wouldn't happen again. Yeah. So other than trying to cap the amount in which schools can raise um, raise tuition and the cost of, of college, one thing I would do, so that's number one. Number two, I would try and fund education at the state level um, as, as much as possible. Because what we have not really talked about, what we don't realize as to one of the many reasons why the cost of college has gone up is because at the state level, they haven't funded school as much, which means that if, if let's say the state of North Carolina, which is where I am, you have um, the University of North Carolina system, if they stop funding or start to cut that funding, that means that the school now has to pass that cost burden on to the students, many of whom who are from the state. So that's number one. So um, figuring out how to how to cap cost, um, figuring out how to fund at the state level. Perhaps the, the Department of Education could just give more money out to the states for the purpose of that. And then the last thing is to really open up the market, allow the market, um, you know, just the, the markets of, of how we work as a society to open up. In that, I would allow a system that forces colleges to list all the degree programs, list how many kids are employed, and the, the, the median salary to help people to make a better decision. Um, CNBC put out an article last week where they said that college graduates, the, co- the class of 2022, overestimates, overestimates their starting salary out of college by $50,000. Kids are coming out thinking that whatever degree I have, I'm, I'm going to walk out of here with $100,000. Well, 
that's far from the truth. And it is not transparent whether I go to college A or college B, which degree program is best for my financial future compared to what it costs. And that's not a uniform system. It is not an open and clear system. I think that is one thing that can help people make better choices and avoid some of the predatory programs and colleges that are out there. One of the things that really does my head in, to be honest, is that we spent 17 plus billion dollars bailing out the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not quite sure how much it was to bail bail out the banks, Um, but we spent all that money bailing out these companies and corporations. Why is it that people seem to be, I mean, there was a little bit of uproar and people were mad about it, but I feel like there's more anger about this, um, the potential of this policy passing. Is it, is it back to the virtue, virtue signaling? And why is it that we're, why are we like this? I, I don't know exactly why we're like this, but I think it, I think that is the proof that it is more of a, a virtue signaling morality thing that we've just taken on to is that you know I can look at you and say you have student debt and I don't whereas I can't look at a JP Morgan and say you know you you took on my tax money or, or whatever it is and that's that's another thing that's, that's also interesting is that those who have already paid or didn't go to school or didn't go to college or take on debt for college say well I don't want my tax dollars going to that well I didn't want to go out to the bailout either I don't want to go out to, to a lot of these airlines but they did like, hey, there are things that my tax dollars go to that I do not agree with, but I got to pay my taxes unless I want to end up like Wesley Snipes. I don't have a choice. Right? <laughs> so, well, I guess I do have a choice. I can go to prison, but that's not the choice I would I would pick. And I think people have to realize that as well. And that people who pay student loans also pay taxes. They they get a say in how some of their money gets used. But I, I think it is absolutely. A, a transparency issue. It's not always as easy to find out which corporations are getting what bailouts. Um, and there's not, it doesn't hit home. Like everybody, not everybody took out a college loan, but like if you went through the process of paying off that loan and you see somebody who did not, but also gets a similar benefit, you're going to feel a certain type of way. And I think that, that, that jealousy, if you will, um, and that morality is something that is obvious and in their face compared to a lot of the corporate things that we don't always see as easily. I get frustrated because as a single person, I get penalized in terms of taxes and things like that. Um, but I still advocate for maternity and paternity leave. It just seems like an obvious thing for society, right? Like they're just things mm-hmm. that I feel like we should be paying for because the U.S. government has the money for it, but we, we look, basically I look at our budget and I'm like, it, it, this explains why there are homeless people in every single city that I've been to in the U S right. Like, um, and I feel frustrated because I, it seems like what's lost in this conversation is that the, the, uh, removal of this financial burden would be such a massive reset for so many people. And people with freed up money make move through the world differently and make very different choices, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I would say with the exception of inflation, which was mm-hmm. in some parts caused by the stimulus and student loan, the student loan pause and supply chain. So it wasn't just one thing, but with the exception of that, 
there were a lot of people who were able to build successful businesses during that time. People who were able to save at a level that they've never saved and invested at levels they had never done before because their loans were paused. And there are business owners right now who started their company at end of 2019 or right in the middle of pandemic who were boosted by the fact that people weren't paying their loans. And that is a, a win for you. Um, for example, like I have a guy who comes out and cuts my yard and that for him to take care of the, the yard as frequently as he does, that is equal to what my student loan payment was. Well, if I have to pay that, what, it's either the loans or it's going to be the, the yard guy, right? And that's that's a situation that many people are going to have to face should these loans come back in the exact same fashion that they went ahead. I don't think people realize how much of the economy has been propped up and helped by the millions and millions of people who haven't had to make those payments. I'm sure there are people right now who don't have student loans and who are against student loan forgiveness that don't realize how many of their own customers and how much how much of their revenue comes from the benefits uh, of not having paid those loans these last two years. I Wow, that, that was a good point. Um, we're wrapping up and I wanted to, that was such a good point that you threw me off. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, you, you and freaking, uh, you and Julian and Kirsten honestly are my three favorite people to interview. And this will always happen with you guys. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> like, that was really good. Uh, that's, you know what? That's all she wrote because I can't, I can't. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn it. Anyway, um, that's really funny. Oh, Kevin, if you could do me a favor and share where we can find you and, and just where we can buy your book, that would be great. Sure. You can find me on all things social media at Building Bread. You can definitely find me on YouTube and Instagram where I am most active. And then you can get the book at almost anywhere books are sold, Target, Amazon, and even your local bookstore as well. Thank you so much. I hope this conversation will leave people thinking like it did me. And I wish you all the best.